Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Previously on Mentally Yours. I've never planned a party on that scale before and yet I'm supposed to do some incredible event that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life and that all my friends are going to enjoy and 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 obviously the financial burden that that all entails and it's just a, an intimidating prospect. It's Mentally Yours from Ellen and Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. While you're here you should check out our other podcast, Good Sex, Bad Sex, which is about sex. My name is Ellen and I'm Yvette. This week's guest is Liz Atkin. She's a brilliant artist, speaker and mental health advocate. We're going to be chatting to her all about compulsive skin picking, anxiety and how she deals with her mental health by drawing on the tube with compulsive charcoal drawings. I have a condition called uh, compulsive skin picking. It's sort of medical term is dermatillomania so I've had this since I was very young. Does that normally go hand in hand with um I'm gonna completely fumble this pronunciation trichotillomania? Trichotillomania yeah a lot of people have heard of the hair pulling disorder so that's trichotillomania where people pull their eyelashes or their eyebrows or their head hair or their body hair so I have the kind of skin picking sister of that so it's uh, quite a complex um, physical and mental disorder um, and in my case it it developed when I was very young and I've had it all my life and um, I basically have found a way to sort of look after myself and I, I speak about it alongside the artwork that I make. Um, art has become a really valuable way for me to sort of channel the disorder and sort of shift it into something positive and keep my hands busy and occupied, um, particularly on journeys. So that's something that I guess I've become known for in recent years because I graffiti newspapers and give them away to passengers and that's the thing that I graffiti the metro actually every day (laughs) so uh, so there's there's been yeah the metro and evening standard so free newspapers that I find when I'm traveling I I pick them up and graffiti them and pass them away to passengers um, 
and it's become a, a sort of way of you know it was very personal kind of recovery tool initially and I wasn't brave enough to have eye contact with people and I was kind of gathering them up on my lap and then leaving them on seats as I got off the train and more recently I'm now braver at sort of smiling at someone across the carriage or I have a lot of eye contact with people you know who wonder what on earth is that woman doing graffitiing a newspaper and I use charcoal so it's very messy and um, you know that obviously looks a bit odd on public transport Uh, so it's become a way of sort of um, occupying myself but also advocating for mental health and talking about mental health with strangers every day so yeah so you create these beautiful pieces of artwork um obviously i've seen them from watching a video can yeah. you describe them a bit more for us? yeah so um this kind of started as an accident i i wasn't very well about uh four years ago five years ago i had a really serious kind of uh, mental health episode so i was off work for about 11 months um and i had sort of panic attacks and severe depression and anxiety which were sort of secondary issues on top of the compulsive skin picking so my skin picking was horrendous I was having to get off the tube if I was having a panic attack you know so traveling was really you know challenging um the disorder for me is a skin picking disorder occupies my body in a lot of different ways so my hands would often I'd be picking at my fingers without even noticing and traveling on the tube when I was very anxious you know my hands would be bleeding by the time I get to wherever I need to go and that's obviously very uncomfortable very embarrassing very you know I'm sorry ashamed of it and found it very um yeah difficult um so when I was getting better I started uh, a friend actually bought me a box of charcoal as a present I'd been making artwork for about 10 years hadn't been drawing it most of my work was photographic and performance based um but I hadn't sort of I hadn't picked up a piece of charcoal and um I started doodling in little sketchbooks and I just found it was very helpful and I started carrying a little notebook with me and it was you know it was just doodling it wasn't anything exciting and then one day my sketchbook ran out and it was like this moment of I'm either going to have a panic attack here on the tube in rush hour or I need to find something to do like immediately and you know the carriage was littered with newspapers it was the morning rush someone got off the train next to me and there was one on the seat so I just picked it up and put it on my lap and I thought well I'll just I'll just draw on this piece of paper while I'm here and I doodled over an advert with the charcoal and I kind of liked it and that's become the thing I now do every day so I graffiti over the images that are in the paper so they're kind of one minute charcoal kind of I kind of augment the adverts or the photographs or graffiti over the top of them Um, so they're very sort of current they're whatever the images are in the paper you know they're film posters they're you know pictures of celebrity I do draw the line at Trump I don't doodle Trump but they've become this sort of um, speedy moment to sort of keep my hands busy and I just find it very soothing and relaxing it sort of stops the disorder in its tracks you know as soon as I'm drawing the energy of the illness is kind of occupied and my hands are moving fast and I think the illness has a very physical kind of uh, tactile sensation to it so charcoal is an amazing thing to shift that and do something that gets me messy. Um, I carry a lot of wet wipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, I need to get shares in wet wipes. Really, I, I get through a huge number. Um, but yeah, you know, as I get off the train, I have wet wipes in my bag, and I clean up and go about my day. Yeah, so protect like your clothes as well. No, I've got quite used. to I wear a lot of dark colours. I'm wearing a black black top and black jeans. I'm often wearing dark colours. Um, but it's on. It's interesting how people react because obviously giving drawings away that are messy. I've had. 
hilarious interactions with people that have taken a drawing. My favourite is a woman in a white suit who took three. And as she got off the train, she had a handprint on her leg. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, this is amazing. Thank you. So, you know, some the, the warmth of people's reactions is has been extraordinary. I didn't, you know, I didn't do this thinking I was going to be talking to anyone, but it's become something very sociable and very breaking down kind of all those things we feel on the tube of not having any contact with people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a strange beast. How do people react normally? I get all kinds of reactions. Like the least likely people, you would think, get really involved, you know, move and sit next to me, start asking questions. And, you know, often people talk a bit about mental health, you know, in their own experience of mental health. Or, you know, if I say I'm doing this because I get very anxious on the on the train and this really helps me just to be calm and focused and I'm really present, it's very mindful, you know, Often people will say, yeah, you know, I find it really hard on the tube in the rush hour. I get really anxious. You know, we're crammed together like sardines. I've, I've got used to drawing standing up, leaning against leaning against a kind of pillar or, you know, holding onto the handrail and drawing on my leg um, as well as kind of sitting down. And that sort of the motion of the train, the kind of energy of the whole thing, it all sort of feels like it's connected. So it's quite a physical way of drawing. I feel my hands move with the sort of speed of the the journey itself um and i've got used to sort of speeding up my drawing if i know a stop is coming and i want to make sure the person that's smiled or sort of chatted to me i want to make sure they get the drawing so i speed up to kind of give them the drawing obviously art is hugely helpful for you yeah are there other treatments that you yes yeah so skin picking um if you go to your gp and you say you have a problem with this condition um you may know more than the doctor that you're talking to. Um, dermatillomania and skin picking has only been in the DSM, which is the Statistical Manual for Mental Health, for about five years, I think. So before that, it was kind of bunched together with OCD. And there's a lot more understanding actually coming out of America at the moment because they're doing a big study of um, people with skin picking and hair pulling disorders. It's the first time they've ever sort of looked in depth at why humans have this. Um, it's At the moment, there isn't a cure for it. So a lot of people respond well to medication. So um, sort of antidepressants or SSR medication could be very useful. Things that reduce serotonin levels can be very beneficial. Um, but CBT, um, cognitive behavioural therapy, is pretty much the, the main kind of treatment route or habit reversal therapy. For those of us that have it, um, the disorder is kind of tangled up a lot with patterns of movement. Um, for me, I would zone out for hours picking in the bathroom at night. You know, there were particular patterns of behaviour that were really challenging for me. And, and I think if anybody's listening that has this or suffers from it, the thing that helps the most is to find out where you do it and when you do it and to sort of find ways to intervene before the urge to do it kicks in. Um, so, you know, bathrooms were quite a challenging thing for me. I could lose six or seven hours picking in the bathroom and not even notice time passing and suddenly it's three o'clock in the morning and, you know, I've been in there having gone to sort of freshen up and clean my teeth and those sorts of things were really common. Um... And, you know, the, the sort of sedentary um, side of the disorder, if I'm bored or if I'm still or if I'm sort of unoccupied, my skin picking is very present. It's the first thing my hands do. So if I'm watching TV in the evening, you know, I have to be have keep putting moisturiser on my fingers because I know my fingers will be scanning for little bits to pick. Um, it's also worth saying that skin picking is a very normal thing that humans do. We're talking about a sort of 
complex disorder that can develop. So, you know, people picking at their fingernails and hangnails, if it's not occupying you in the way that I'm describing, it's very normal grooming behaviour. But for some of us, it kind of can be quite a challenging thing that takes over. For skin pickers, you know, it's it's the first moment of squeezing a blackhead or picking off a bit of dry skin that doesn't stop. So, you know, my hand would keep going back to that place and then a wound develops and then I want to pick the wound to make it smooth. And it's a lot of people think it's about intentionally harming the body and it, it's actually the reverse. I certainly feel that the disorder for me is about trying to smooth the skin and my hand keeps going back to make it smooth. And if I feel there's any texture or anything there that I need to pick off, that's the process that keeps repeating, Um, which is why, you know, charcoal has become this incredible conduit to sort of shift it because it's grainy and it's got a texture to it. It has a really strong connection for me to the what the what the illness is doing um so i found that to be hugely useful in terms of you're saying your compulsion is related to wanting to be smooth and just like skincare play into that do you find moisturizer and stuff really important yes i i think for a long time i was obsessively kind of buying products and i think that all goes hand in hand with it of trying to clean the skin or make it feel clean um so yeah, I think grooming is a is a challenging thing for those of us that have this, you know, um getting out of the bath and noticing something on your back or whatever. Those things are probably very normal for most people, you know, I'll just squeeze that blackhead. But, you know, I know that just that moment could trigger, you know, an hour of doing that rather than what a normal person might do. If I've got rid of that, I'll, you know, get dressed and off I go. My, I don't, I find the kind of off switch is very difficult. So, you know, moisturising or being in a bathroom with very bright light is really difficult because especially those mirrors where you can kind of see those magnifying mirrors are quite tricky for, for me. Um, but also, you know, any kind of fluorescent light that makes your pores show up and makes the sort of scrutiny of the disorder very present those things can be very difficult for people that have this disorder so it's a bit of a mixture of the sort of visual thing and the sort of tactile thing and a movement pattern that your body is just quite habitually doing it without you noticing um when i was really unwell with it i would pick in my sleep and wake up in the night and kind of realize i'd been picking and that's you know that's really hard if it's unconscious and it's so unconscious it happens when you're asleep how do you how do you manage that and i think sort of listening to it and trying to do something uh, soothing for me has has been really helpful just to sort of be very aware of it and it's worth saying that even sitting here you know the disorder hasn't gone away I'm not cured by doing the drawings but it's a way of um, really keeping in recovery and keeping very present and that's what I think this is doing the most for me. How can friends, family and partners kind of support you in your recovery? Because I imagine there's there could be sort of a lot of pitfalls, yeah. especially maybe when someone's kind of younger and they've started skin picking. Yeah. Kind of like the idea of a parent just saying, oh, just stop doing that. Yeah. Or, you know, so what's the right thing to do? do you think? Well, um, that's a really good question because um, a lot of family members um, find this a very, very difficult thing to handle. And um, I know in you know my experience, my, my partners, my, you know, my people I've been involved with in my life, my my mum, you know, my, my friends around me, actually being told to stop makes it worse because you you know you it kind of acknowledges it's happening and actually a much gentler way of handling that sometimes I, I sort of speak to friends of mine is just to sort of have contact with me very briefly, like touch my arm or touch my leg and it just sort of 
signals to me it's happening. And because it's very um, unconscious, you know, though I might not notice until 10 minutes of it happening has happened. So I find that a much gentler way of sort of clocking it. And people telling you to stop, uh, it's not going to help it. I mean, if the, the information that's coming out of the big study that's happening is that there might actually be biological links to this disorder, that actually there's a, a neurology that's going on that is quite unique to this disorder. So if, if it's something in your genes and it's something that is kind of in, in you, someone telling you to stop isn't necessarily going to sort it out. Um, but also bear in mind that I've had it since I was five or six years old and I'm now in my 40s. You know, that it's so part of how my body has been telling me to stop it is is just like water for ducks back. You know, I have to be the one that consciously intervenes and actually someone saying stop isn't, isn't for me the thing that can help and just being really um compassionate and understanding finding out a bit more about it is i think important for family members um a lot of people think it's just a bad habit and a bit like putting nail bite on your nails you know actually these conditions are you know body focused repetitive behaviors they're not as easy as being told to stop or saying to yourself oh it's you know how many new year's resolutions have i had to go i won't pick this year you know and buy quarter past 12 on New Year's Day it's it's there so you know I think the thing for um for family members is to find out more information about it there's quite a lot of good information now through lots of the charities in the UK so Anxiety UK OCD Action the Maudsley Hospital have got some information online lots of the kind of charities in, in the UK have now got good information rethink mental illness um but the one that i think is the go-to is actually in the states and that's um the trichotillomania learning center or the tlc foundation they are kind of the leading providers worldwide for these conditions um and actually on friday i'm going to america because there's a conference for these disorders that takes place every year so i will be in san francisco for the conference um about 500 people from all over the world go and it's a place for people that suffer from the conditions and, you know, family members, as we've talked about, that are finding it very hard um, and health professionals from around the world, the, the leading specialists who are, you know, studying these disorders and trying to find cures for them and new treatment options. Um, so we're in a very exciting time because 20 years ago, you know, the disorder was very misunderstood. And I feel like now we're actually kind of on the cusp of understanding it a lot, a lot better. With a lot of mental illness, it's um, invisible. Like yeah. no one can really see it. Yeah. Whereas with skin picking and also self harm, yeah. there can be evidence. How do you deal with that? Is that does that add some layer of shame? Is that something that you have to battle? I think against? it's um, useful to sort of differentiate the two because self harm is um, it, uh, well, skin picking isn't considered to be a self harming yeah. action in a lot of um, sort of the research that's coming out because the intention is not to hurt the body because of an emotion for an emotional release or an emotional response it, because it's so habitual and it's actually often not to do with that it's much more about a grooming process that then is kind of escalating out of hand you say it's more visible but actually I think I hid it very well for 25 years maybe 30 years of my life you know when you have marks and wounds on your skin or you know I would wear makeup on to disguise it on my face clothing disguises on my body you know family members and friends didn't know I was very careful to have my excuses ready and if anyone made a comment oh it's an insect bite oh I've just caught myself oh that's nothing you know there was always a lie to to cover up 
what was going on. And actually, those thought processes are very, very time consuming and hard. And that's the kind of mental health aspect that I don't think people understand. You know, the the shame and guilt of this disorder prevented me from looking for information for 25 years. I wasn't brave enough to even Google it. You know, in the day I Googled it and this like ream of pages and pages of information came up. I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought probably me and my mum, because I know my mum picks her skin. I've probably got two or three people that I know that do this. And now I think, my God, there are people all over the world that do this. It's actually thought to be one in 25 that have skin picking or hair pulling to the extent that daily functioning gets impacted, you know. So there were things I, I didn't do. I was late for appointments. You know, I'd cancel seeing people. I, you know, it's it can be a very kind of makes you want to shut down because the disorder is visible but it's also you're in this loop of doing it so that's a very very hard thing to cope with and that's the thing that you know I I feel needs to be talked about because the guilt and shame stops people from seeking help or advice or even knowing it's an illness you know a lot of people think it's a habit and actually that it's a recognized disorder Yeah, so it's uh, it's known to be a a kind of hereditary condition. That's another kind of thing that scientists are starting to realise that a lot of people have got family members that pick. So actually my mum and my dad both pick. My mum's in her 70s and she still picks her skin. So I don't have to look very far to realise that, you know, this is this might be something biological or hereditary Did in my condition. kind of realise what was going on and help you or were you kind of... No, uh, I can't, I've, I've kind of grown up around recovery um, in a different way, but it's... Um, it's quite a, a difficult thing all these years later to realise that, you know, my mum has that probably has this in a more minor version than I do. So it's it, it's it's there. It's in my family. Um, but I also grew up in quite a tricky home. So I kind of have the environmental factor of anxiety that kind of was there from a young age. So um, I think the sort of biological stuff and the environment and the kind of emotional impact of all of that led to this developing in my life I've got quite a clear kind of map of it all I'm like oh it's all in there yes <laughs> so um yeah do you That's... talk about it with your parents now? Or... yes my my mum is very aware of all the advocacy stuff I'm doing and I think when things shifted for me a couple of years ago I made the decision to sort of start talking about it um it all kind of coincided with um the artwork i was making i was asked to do an exhibition at um the bethlehem gallery which is in a mental health hospital it's one of the oldest psychiatric hospitals um, in the world and they have an amazing gallery and um i kind of had this choice you know i'm going to put this artwork on the wall and i either say that i name it and i say actually these images are about skin picking or I hide it with all this wafty language. And I was like, I'm I'm at the point where I need to do something about this. And it just has become something that is now very publicly aligned with what I'm doing creatively. Um, because I feel the two are hand in hand, excuse the pun for a skin picker, but they are kind of completely connected. Um, you know, I make art because of the disorder and the disorder influences how I make the art. So the repetition, the compulsion, the, you know, the repeated drawings, um, the physicality of it is all very parallel to the illness itself. So I really enjoyed chatting to Liz. Um, one thing that she kind of reminded me of was that it can be really good to get out of your head by just sort of doing things. It sort of sounds obvious, but, you know, when you have thoughts going round and round and round, um, if you 
sit down and sort of do a coloring book maybe um or do some art or paint your own pottery I love to do that with my sister that sounds so, so cute really yeah. interesting <laughs> um it is really fun but it, it does kind of um you kind of end up having to concentrate on it or another thing that I love doing which I think helps with my mental health um is I do dance classes when I remember to um, and you physically cannot do complicated dance moves yeah. and worry so I think that's really good for me how about you um well recently I've been playing sims but it's been getting a bit too real now because I made her a journalist and then she um, kept having to write articles after work oh, no. and then literally she went to bed and the next day she woke up and she was really old I was like, well, this is just, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Has she been pre-aged by all the staying up late have, and writing I articles? I have no idea. Like, just suddenly she's really, like, she's marked as elderly. And every time like she how does... elderly? Well, she has suddenly grey hair. And it doesn't say her age, but um, she was an adult and now she's elderly. And now whenever she does anything, she complains about being tired for three hours afterwards. Oh, my God. I was like, this is, this is too real for me now, so I'm not enjoying it. Mm. So other than that... Um, Really like Dot to Dot books, mm. which I only discovered recently. They're really good, honestly. Dot, hang on, what like kids? Yeah, dot to but dot. they do them for adults now, not with like adult stuff, but with like. Are little... you sure they don't do them with adult stuff? Because I'm pretty Probably. sure, like, I've heard of one. I'm pretty sure actually one of my friends gave me one for a birthday ages ago, which is like, um, yeah, basically sex, sex scenes that you can do Dot to Dot. I have. I um, know oh, that was a coloring in book. Yeah, I have a vagina coloring in book. I yeah. don't know if Dot to Dot has caught up to that level yet. Is dot the, to dot the next colouring in? I think, yeah, because it's... With colouring in, you can kind of pause and leave it and just drop off. Whereas with the dot to dot, you have to finish it. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no way you can leave it half done. So you do have to dedicate quite some time to actually being really focused in. And it's, it can be difficult, you know. Sometimes you can't see the next number. Mm. It's a hard, hard task. But that does actually massively helped like I've been doing that recently and it's been a big deal a lovely thing that um, Liz said to me as well just as we were sort of chatting after the podcast was that it doesn't really matter obviously like how good you are at art because yeah. it's not like you know I'm trying to be the next Tracy Emin or whoever like it, it's just you know it's it's just a nice thing to do so that it's not as kind of competitive or anything like it. it's just a, a nice thing to do so this is goodbye Thanks very much to our guest, Liz Atkin, and thanks very much to our producer, Juliet Nichols and Sam Bonham. And thank you to Lucy Baker for all the lovely jingles. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please give us a review on iTunes and join us online. We have a Facebook group, which is Mentally Yours, where you can chat about all things mental health. We also have a Twitter where we update, you know, what's going on with the podcast. But that's Mentally Yours with YRS at the end instead of yours. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.